Hey, Real Nerds listeners. There's many ways you can interact with the Real Nerds podcast. You can email us at realnerds at gmail.com. You can hit us on Twitter at Real Nerds. You want to check us on Facebook? You can. Just look for Real Nerds Podcast. You want to leave us a voicemail? Just call 720-6NERDS5. You want to listen to our episodes? You can check us out on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Ed Kramer, CGI artist from Industrial Light and Magic. I worked on the Scarabs from The Mummy, the Rock Monster from Galaxy Quest, and you are listening to The Real Nerds Podcast. This is Real Nerds Podcast, officially the official podcast at Denver Pop Culture Con 2021 and beyond. I am Ryan. With me is Zach, Brad, and from New York, Henry. That's me. Every week we go see a new movie uh, for Real Nerds Podcast, except for the last 12 weeks. Um, we call this Corona Cast. Just kidding. Never. Um, but so we've been, uh, we've been kind of having fun thinking of new ways to still keep the podcast going every week. And uh, this week we decided to do a secret film. And if you were following us on Twitter, I've been putting out hints throughout the week about what the, uh, the film's going to be. And so this week we're pick the infamous walk hard, the Dewey Cox story, or James isn't here. Cause I think it's his birthday cell or his daughter's birthday celebration weekend or something. Um, cause we did it cause we wanted James to show up cause he hates the movie so much. He calls it sucks hard. Um, that's hard. The shitty cock story. <laughs> yeah. The shitty cock story. <clears throat> but you know, every time you ask him, I think his biggest beef with it is, um, he cuts his brother in half and that really happened to Johnny Cash's brother. Yeah. Um, some like tree cutting incident, but he was, he's working and he got cut in half by a tree chainsaw. Yeah. I forget the exact story. Does anyone remember the exact story? What happened to Johnny Cash's brother? That's the line no, that James couldn't walk across. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing, though. That's such an absurdist fucking concept. That of course, there's going to be a comedy out of it. Like, yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, stay tuned. And um, we'll tell you if you should revisit the film. I will also talk about movie news, because unfortunately, there is movie news this week. Uh, and I only say unfortunately because it sucks. Um, also, Blu-rays that are coming out and movies we've been watching. And... Again, we're going around town with Brad because this is starting to come back for the time being. Um, and uh, Brad, what's happening around our beautiful state of Colorado? Hey, film buddies, follow me around Denver. If you still want to watch movies, the drive-ins are your best option. The 88 drive-in is currently screening Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, and Bloodshot. So check that out. And then the Fort Collins Holiday Twin Drive-In has two screens. And on one of them is My Spy and Marvel's The Avengers. As well as on the second screen, Beverly Hills Cop and Anchorman. Oh, that's actually so kind of cool. Might have to check out that yeah. one too. Yeah, that's, that's actually a pretty cool lineup. And oh. then, yeah, 
that's that's it. So, Brad, you've been going to them. Do you have to buy your tickets online in advance? Before you uh, go well, I haven't been to the uh, 88 drive-in yet, but th- as far as I know, they're not taking online ticketing. Um, like a first come, first serve? First come, first serve. Uh, I think they are taking less cars because they're, they're, they're distanced. But the Holiday Twin is doing online ticketing. There's, it's nine bucks for two movies oh, that's on, on one screen. Um, and they're also doing all their food ordering online. Um, and their menu is pretty, like, much larger. Like, I, I can get a veggie burger there. Oh, wow. So, um, my wife, I think, <clears throat> sorry, that was weird. Uh, we're planning on going to um, Fort Collins on Saturday. Oh. And if I do an Anchorman in Beverly Hills Cop, might do that while we're up there. Ooh. And my wife will be happy because my wife is going vegan because she's, my wife is silly. So she, uh, I was cleaning up the house like last week and I found this note and it said, get your shit together 2020. And I was like, oh man, is this to me? Is this like a dear John letter? <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I pick it up and it's just a list of what she's going to do. And part of it is only plant-based food. Like, oh, I forgot the, I forgot about, I wrote this for Laura. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, Corinne, welcome. Oh, hey. Hi. We started. So you're like surprise celebrity guest who just showed up. Oh, hello all. It's like when Ryan Reynolds invaded the X-Men reunion. That's right. <laughs> so that's it for this week. Uh, check us out next week when. <laughs> yeah. And we'll see you at the movies. <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, the, so the drive-in opens at six up there. And then because of sundown, they actually don't start till nine ish so if you're bringing kellen uh to two rated r movies just know that you won't get That's home till right. like 3 3 a.m perfect <laughs> i want him to learn to say I want, I want him to learn to say motherfucker like eddie murphy so we're good nice Is you know it's just, it's a, i don't know it's yeah. a perfectly good reason for him to stay up till three in the morning ryan feed well, him full anchorman, of sugar and is it anchorman pg-13 the theatrical cut Theatrical cuts PG thirteen, yeah. yeah. The unrated cut has like it doesn't even have like a bunch more curse words. It's mainly just adding like a few alternate scenes and extending the fuck scene at the uh um after he says go fuck yourself, San Diego. Nice. Well they do show full penetration. So <laughs> there is that. Yeah. That that's between Ron Burgundy and the unicorn he's riding. Of course. <laughs> How else would you ride a unicorn? You know, I haven't had a, a, a horse fucking the joke world. this year. Make that nine years in a row. There has been a horse fucking joke on Real Nerds Podcast. Their greatest accomplishment. I was almost running out of time, man. We're almost halfway through the We're almost halfway done with the year. And I almost have forgot we, to make a horse fucking joke. Have we I applied for a Guinness record? do that again. What? Have we applied for a Guinness record on that? <laughs> it has to be. Most consecutive years yeah. of making a horse fucking joke. Someone yeah, get on I the phone. I think we've got it. Head. I think we've got it. Yeah, I think we got it locked. <laughs> uh, someone else can make that phone call because that's not a, fo- a conversation that I want to have. <laughs> oh, you're making it, Henry. Uh, hi, uh, Guinness. Hi, this is Henry Jarvis. I uh, work with the Real Nerds Podcast. We're inquiring about a <laughs> record for the most consecutive uh, horse fucking jokes. Is this? Is this yes. a thing? <laughs> Who is this? What do you want? <laughs> Apparently, Wait, does the fucking owl work for fucking Dennis? 
You know, that was my version of a fancy schmancy person working for Guinness, because at this point, they've achieved austerity, right? No, oh, fucking no. Apparently, <laughs> uh, you can just go to GuinnessWorldRecords.com and hit apply to set or, or break a record. <laughs> I feel like we should try. Accessibility <laughs> as a job application. Uh, and they have uh, speak to account manager, standard application, and priority application, which mm. obviously is the one we want. Total. <laughs> Perfect choice if you've got a short deadline to hit. <laughs> No, I want Henry to speak to the account manager. <laughs> we have a real short deadline. There is that other podcast that's also consistently making horse. Yeah, take it's weeks. called the horse. It's called the horse fuck podcast. Yeah, they get around yeah. Apple's censorship because it's spelled P H U C K. Ah, they say it's just about like horse enthusiasts, but we know. Yeah, <laughs> we got to look out for H F P horse fucking podcast. No, H P P. Horse fucking podcast. Oh boy! It'll take two weeks to get a response, and then uh, we'll get guidelines in twelve weeks, and then a review <laughs> of evidence within twelve weeks. So review of evidence. Poor <laughs> fucking soul who has to comb through our entire fucking library. Uh, I don't only horse fucking. I'm not gonna wish that hell on them four hundred plus times. <laughs> Forcing someone else to actually watch our sh- or listen to our show—that's pretty <laughs> intense. Wow, guys, we'll finally have a listener. <laughs> yeah, uh, they come back like you actually. We We get comments all the time. Uh, come back. In fact, one of our listeners agreed with me about my 1990 film explosion list. So, in all your fucking faces. There you go. I actually got a compliment from another podcaster that said Brad, Brad, he loved that Brad put in the pizza commercial at the beginning of the episode. Fuck yeah. yes. Fuck there, yes, there, there mate. Fuck yes. No yeah. one can hate that commercial. That's if we really wild. have so many listeners, I challenge them to submit fan mail more often. Because we don't get fan mail ever. The uh, issue that someone submits fan mail to us, and then we just make them a part of the show. And so... Well, like, we did get uh, fan mail from Corinne's article about the blacklist. Do we ever share that on the show? I don't think, I don't we did. think so. Did she you? basically said it's because Liz is a horrible character or something. I don't remember because all your blacklist shit sounds the same to me and I tune it out. So, <laughs> um, yep. <laughs> okay. Hey, here's some movie news. It's real news. Do I start with the stat, sad news first? Yes. Okay. So this kind of comes away. Where's the Elton John sad songs? <laughs> <laughs> well, Tenet got delayed again. <laughs> um, yeah, Tenet got delayed again, um, moving it to August. Mulan then moved into the old Tenet spot. And as a result, AMC is pushing its reopening date to July 30th. Um so yeah, it looks like the everything's moving up a couple, moving back a couple weeks until we see any reopening of any kind for AMC at least. I have not seen anything for Regal today as looking through the um, news stream. Does anybody know if there was an update I mean, on that? Unless they're going to just show legacy titles, right? Which is which is what Regal is planning to do. It seems like they're going to show like Star Wars and Lord of the Rings, according to an, um, a, another source, but. No word if the tenant delay is going to affect Regal's reopening. Um, well, even the Alamo, actually, they didn't even put like a date. They're just like, when you come back, <laughs> yeah, here's the rules. There's, yeah, it's actually the um, 
there, there was an article about um, the Alamo draft house and they made the claim it's going to be safer than a supermarket when they reopen and um, put out a little video explaining uh, in eight bit form, I believe it's eight bit form, how to uh, operate in their theater under the coronavirus conditions. So uh, go out to their website and check out that video. Alamo seems like a place though that could open them maybe earlier because they do have a pretty vast array of catalog films they show all the time. Yeah, because that's like half of their stock and trade. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But so as a result though, other other films are now kind of pushing their slate as well. So Bill and Ted Face the Music has been moved um, as has Unhinged, which would have been the first release of the uh, summer. Um, And then um, Tom Clancy's Without Remorse has been delayed four months to early 2021, which I had no idea that there was a movie with Michael B. Jordan called Without Remorse, but now I know. Um, yeah, I don't, so yeah, uh, it looks like we're going to be... I think Unhinged is still going to be the first movie because I think it opens July 31st. Um, basically what happened is it looks like they're going to basically pushing everything two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because so, I think Unhinged was supposed to open the 17th with Mulan the 24th. No, it was supposed to open the 10th. Oh, so yes, they pushed it three weeks. And it looks like on the 17th, the Broken Hearts Gallery and St. Maud are still slated to show. At least least for Regal Theaters. Uh, I can see them pushing St. Maud, or at least pulling it, just because A24 just announced today that uh, First Cow, their other project, they decided to go with On Demand. So they might just do that with the rest of their catalog. I know A24 has been holding out really heavily uh, and not putting any of their stuff on demand so far this year, whether that leave is just now breaking. And so I can see them pushing mod to uh, on demand very soon. Yeah, That's a, that's a shame for Kelly Reichardt because that film's supposed to be really good and I wanted to see it in the theater. I mean, here's the thing, though. I mean, I love Kelly Reichardt and I love a lot of her filmography. That film was not going to succeed at the box office. It's going to do much better oh, on demand no. anyway. So, no, this was a selfish demand. I just wanted to see it on a screen. Um, I think because I, I never, I didn't see Meeks Crossing um, in the theater when I kept seeing the trailer for it at um, Landmarks, and I regretted that. Um, uh, but yeah, anyway, moving forward. Uh, speaking of Michael B. Jordan from earlier, um, Amazon is going to be launching a free drive-in screening series in July that's going to be curated by Michael B. Jordan. Um, the slate of the films on July 1st, they're going to do Love and Basketball and Crazy Rich Asians. On July 15th, they're going to do Black Panther and Creed back-to-back. On July 29th, they're going to do Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and Hook. On August 12th, they're going to do Do the Right Thing and Get Out. Uh, and on August 26th, they're going to do Coming to America and Girls Trip. So that seems like fun. I hope one of our drive-ins does the, part of this series at some point. That would be really cool. Um, There's Fantastic then, Four in that. <laughs> it, is, it is where he's, there is a lot of Michael B. Jordan movies in that lineup. <laughs> um, I'm really disappointed but, uh, I had to hear from Josh Trank again. <laughs> what did he say this time? Oh, he put out that Capone movie, and so he started talking oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then I have to read about him stalking, and I really just don't like him. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I really want to defend him. I have defended him before, especially after Capote came out. I was like, look, he's not the worst. He's just kind of bad. And then he just keeps digging a hole deeper and deeper, 
personality wise. I know. Like I think I saw like the other day he like responded to literally everyone who commented on his Instagram post, which is insane. I don't do that, and I have like four followers. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what you like. That, wait, he's so. You can see why he's started getting like kicked off big projects. Yeah, because he's just got too a bit much of, to handle. Bit of a bit of a, a chip on his shoulder and ego on him. Anyway, um, yeah. So Cobra Kai, the show that was on YouTube um, Premium Red, whatever the fuck they call it now, um, is getting moved to Netflix for its third season. So anybody who was wanting to watch Cobra Kai can now watch it on. Netflix. So good That's for me. that. Will, I'm pretty sure Netflix just goes, who wants money to come on Netflix? <laughs> Make it rain, Netflix. Make it rain. <laughs> um, speaking of Netflix, we got a uh, first look at a Sherlock Holmes property that they were developing, uh, that they've been developing called Enola Holmes, which is about Sherlock Holmes' sister and her solving a mystery. And it stars Millie Bobby Brown from uh, uh, Stranger Godzilla. Things. And what was that? From Godzilla, her most famous project. Totally. <laughs> yeah, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Um, but uh, it's funny, they actually got into a lawsuit regarding this project recently. The, uh, the Conan Doyle estate sued them because the portrayal of Holmes as a little bit more sweeter and fonder in his later years is still technically copyrighted under the uh, Conan Doyle estate. The portrayal of Holmes. Not anything specific, just the attitude and portrayal of Holmes. That's an interesting lawsuit that I hope comes to absolutely nothing. Um, and then it uh, looks like um, Joseph Kaczynski, um, amidst getting ready, I'm sure, for Top Gun Maverick's eventual release, is signing on to do a Twister reboot. And normally I would roll my eyes at something like this, but I'm actually very interested to see what he would do with Twister. Yeah, well, I the, really like the, the title alone is cool. It's called Twister, The Cow Survives. So I'm... <laughs> I mean, the issue, though, is that we already have Hurricane Heist. What else do <laughs> yeah. we need? I mean, yes, we do. But Kaczynski is going to remake it better than something. I just, I trust him. I trust him. I don't trust him. Okay, we'll Maybe the uh, hurricane will have LEDs embedded in it. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> <Did> that... <laughs> It'll be a really, really pretty hurricane. I'll tell you that. Can the can the can the can the t- tornado be played by Michael Sheen? <laughs> be I a would perfect, love the tornado hurricane. Played. Yeah, and he would be very charismatic as a as a hurricane and a tornado and all the all the different storms. I just want Michael Sheen to play elements. Um, but uh, so much to do a uh, movie with from the perspective of the hurricane. Ooh, New angle. Ooh. It was called Hardcore Henry. Um, Anyway, um, I think you saw that movie. (laughs) You're right. I didn't see that movie. I still need to watch it. Am I going to get a headache, Henry, if I see it? Yes. I haven't seen it either, but I know that a hurricane isn't in the movie. I said it would be like Hardcore Henry. I didn't say it would be Hardcore Henry. Oh, okay. I misinterpreted. I just keep destroying lives. I can't remember who I am. Or I deliver my statement incorrectly. Anyway, I've got the last piece of news. Um, it's going to transition into our next subject. Um, Hitchcock's finally getting a UHD release um, for 4K. You're going to be getting Rear Window, Vertigo, Psycho, and The Birds. And what's more, you're going to be getting the uh, until recently 
unavailable in America, uncut version of Psycho, which features literally seconds of additional footage that was cut from the initial release in the U.S. Up until recently, this version was only available on German television and then on a German Blu-ray release. So, cool. Universal's given the public what they want. I'm, I'm very excited for this. Oh, my God. That's going to change everything. <laughs> I mean, I might have to really revisit Psycho. I might have a completely different opinion of it now. And yeah, so. it, you're, you're, it's not going to change a damn thing you think about it. <laughs> I know what the footage looks like. It's literally the, the, the most profound. Is full is penetration. A, is it, is it three seconds of full penetration? No, no, Henry, no. They won't let me do that. How many times do I have to tell people they won't let me do the cool shit? Um, no, um, actually, it's just like a few more seconds of Janet Lee taking her bra off. So, oh, uh, fuck yeah. anyway, that is news. I was hoping that it, it's when the toilet flushes, just be a turd that you see go down the toilet. Yeah, yeah. His of course, the Germans would be into that. It would have been the first fecal film, Ryan. The first fecal film. Kellen just asked me, "What am I talking about?" <laughs> His ears perk up when you talk about poop. Yeah, we're talking about poop, Kellen. Ears, ears raise up. I heard the word turd. <laughs> Yeah, Kellen bought an emoji turd ball today. Oh, he bought Patrick Stewart? Yeah, and he's smiling. Kellen loves like... Uh, Does Kellen know video, video games exist? Yeah, like, oh yeah. There is a <laughs> he, he watches a guy, his, I think his name's like Gaming with Kev. I don't know, he's like a YouTube streamer. And there's a game where you're like a turd that rolls around the city and hits people. Yep. Okay, I don't need to play video games. Mm-hmm. I... I, I I've Last reached a point. All the, all the arguments for it have just been trumped by that one against. So someone made a video game about Zach's existence? <laughs> no. oh. <laughs> that was cold blooded. Hold on, hold on. On the video, switch. We need a rim shot. <laughs> yeah, where's my soundboard? <laughs> no, no, it'll clog up the feed. <laughs> anyway, that was news. Hey, movies come out. DVD releases and Blu-rays. Very little this week. <laughs> yeah, because they haven't much. shown a theatrical movie in four months. I know. We, ra- we finally ran out, Ryan. We finally ran out. In th- instead, though, the big, I guess the blockbuster of all these releases is Screen Factory's putting out Orca the Killer Whale from 1977. I do have you know, that in the mail. Yeah. You do? I have not seen this movie. I, I will need to borrow it from you. Guys, we're not supposed to call them killer whales anymore. <laughs> yeah, you call them free willies. <laughs> no, that's just Zach's private time. Boom! <laughs> two for two! <laughs> and Zach, when you tell us what you know about Orca, remember there's an exclamation point at the end of the title, so it's Orca. The killer whale! Okay? Make sure you get the, the title inflection right. It didn't say that on the... Oh, God. I, I hate to prove you wrong, but it doesn't have the exclamation point. Yeah, it's at the end of the whale. Right there. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, the very, I thought you said orca, exclamation point. No, it's orca, comma, the killer whale. Okay. It's All actually right. just an elongated colon. <laughs> Ryan, I can't see today. I'm sorry. Anyway... Uh, 
We are also getting from Arrow, they're releasing Django, the original Franco Nero film, along with Texas Adios, which is another Franco Nero film that was Adios. publicized in some countries as a sequel to Django. Um, so if you want to check that out, Arrow puts out some pretty good stuff when it comes to their spaghetti westerns. Um, we're getting a Ho- Laurel and Hardy 2K slash 4K uh, collection, which I do not know anything about, but it's from a company called Kip Parker Films. You should read the review of it on Blu-ray.com. I really want to get it. It's like 70 bucks is why I didn't. But it, it's um like five hours of all their like best little, uh, like it has three of their movies and all their uh, shorts. And it has yeah. like two bonus discs on it. And uh, Blu-ray.com says it's one of the best releases of the year. It, it So it's interesting. Is The reason I've not heard of this yet is because I don't know this company. <laughs> Like, yeah, I've never heard of them either. That's why I'm taking a guess. But yeah, some of the, among the movies that are in it are Sons of the Desert, which is a classic, Way Out West, and The Battle of the Century. Um, so yeah, um, if you want to check out some Laurel and Hardy, you should. And then you should also watch Stan and Ollie, which is a really good movie. Um, let's see. Vinegar Syndrome is putting out Patty Hearst, um, the Paul Schrader film about the Patty Hearst uh, kidnapping and then her brainwashing by the Sibonese Liberation Army. Uh, so if you want to check that out, Paul Schrader is an interesting director. Um, uh, we are getting a Kino Lorber is putting out uh, Narrow Margin with Gene Hackman and Ann Archer. I've never seen this movie before, but it's by Peter Hyams. What was that? Oh, Hello? It's a South Park joke. I, I didn't hear it. <laughs> Where he goes, Hackman! Remember when Christopher Reeve is breaking fetuses in half and drinking their sickle cells? That's that's right. Yeah, now I remember. Whatever it is. Uh, And he gets superpowers. (laughs) South Park. I I forgot that happened in that movie. I think it was that show, yeah. Probably season three or four, maybe even season two. I don't know. Uh, It's been a while (laughs) for me with South Park. I'll have to go back, I guess. Um, And then. Uh, we're getting another, I get a, a re-release of Sukiyaki Western Django, which if you haven't seen that, you should see it. It's a lot of fun. Um, and then Kino Lorber is also putting out scenes from a class struggle in Beverly Hills, which I've never seen before. And then they're also putting out 10 Little Indians featuring Donald Pleasance, um, Frank Stallone, and Paul L. Smith. So yeah, if well, you want to watch 10 Little Indians. Make sure you Frank look at Stallone. the cover art because now it just says 10 Little and then nothing. Because we, we censor everything now, so. Hmm. Anyway. Just, that was a That's joke. That's Agatha Christie story, right? Well, because yes. that title is originally a different name, too. So yes. that's where I was yes. confused by the joke. And that's why they should just avoid it altogether and just do what the BBC miniseries did and just call it, and then there were none. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't. I was just ke- kidding because I really Problem solved. Uh, Friday the 13th is based off of Ten Little Indians. Yep. And, yeah, uh, which means I'll never have to watch it because I've already seen it. Uh, you should watch Friday the 13th. It's an important film. No. Yep. Yeah, it is. It created it, it created a genre based on another film that created a genre that also was based on a film that created a genre. It's very important, though, because it's the best of those 80 slasher movies to come out because it does a lot of it does a lot of things that the other ones failed to do. Friday you know the 13th what, Ryan? is an amazing film. I'll yeah. watch Friday the 13th when you watch the 95 Pride and Prejudice. How do you know I haven't started it? You don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's a good transition into what we've been watching. 
That's true, because that's it for Blu-rays. <laughs> Ryan, are you going to let her take over the show like that? Well, I I wouldn't, but in these times, I have to have make sure everybody has a voice. So, Corinne, you can always take over the show. We're equal here. Fuck you, Ryan. <laughs> Whoa. I just tried to be nice, and she just said, fuck you. That's, that's harsh. This, this is what the world's coming to, guys. Try to be nice. Contact. Should we contact Guinness World Records for the most rude guest? <laughs> yes. Who just showed up? I'm not a guest. I'm a so fool. You nerd. show up late, and then you tell the host of <laughs> "fuck you." Yeah. Is this because I made a horse fucking joke? Is this because I made a horse fucking joke? Yep, sure is, Ryan. Corinne, what'd you watch this week? So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. So, not a lot. Uh, basically, just two things. Uh, rewatched The Great Mouse Detective. Nice. It's awesome. Uh, That's good. I, I, I think I'm going to, my next article that I'm going to do for the website is going to be, like, underrated animated movies. Because I really do think, I, I feel like The Great Mouse Detective is one of those underrated movies. Because, I mean, on its own... It's a very just cute, succinct story, but as a Sherlock Holmes adaptation, it's actually really good. The fact that it takes like the mysteries of Sherlock Holmes and then but turns it into like mice, like all the characters are mice and rats and cats and dogs and stuff, and it's just kind of cute, like taking it and putting it on this very small scale in a literal sense. Mm-hmm. But the adventure is still very big in scope. Yeah, they're literally having to save the mouse queen of England. It's a very big deal. It's, um, that film is very good at capturing a certain era of Sherlock Holmes adaptations with Rathbone and Bruce that I don't yes. think any other version has managed to capture to this day. So, And Rathbone and Bruce technically have a cameo in that movie as Holmes and Watson, who actually live in the main, the main house. They, so. Yep, that they're, yeah, that the, the mice live below them on Baker Street. That's why it's so clever and fun, and I love it. <laughs> yes. Um, and I think that's something, especially now, uh, that the BBC Sherlock, the one with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman has come out, I feel like that adaptation really paints Sherlock to be this very unsociable person who's very, very rude to people. Like, he just doesn't care about people except, like, Watson and maybe, like, a couple of others, and that's it. And that's not how Sherlock Holmes is in the original Arthur Conan Doyle novels at all. You know, yeah, sometimes he can be a little caught up in things, but he's never, like, straight-up rude to people. He's very very civil, very polite, and he's always, like, wanting to hear about their troubles because, I mean, that's kind of his job. He wants to hear about their troubles because he wants to solve them. Yeah. So I think that this movie captures that spirit of, like, sometimes he's abrupt with people, but he doesn't mean to be rude about it. He's just, like, in the middle of something. Like, he doesn't want to lose his train of thought sort of thing. His, his arrogance is, is um, controlled. Whereas in, I like Sherlock with Benedict Cumberbatch, but he is a little bit more overt with that particular side of the psyche that was developed by Doyle. So um, it's it's a little on the nose, but I still enjoy it. 
also the fact that it introduces a Moriarty type character in Professor Radigan is also oh. pretty great. Voiced by Vincent Price of all. Of course. Yes. It's wonderful. Fucking so. love this movie. Yes, Great Mouse Detective. Hopefully, I will write an article about it and some other movies very soon. And then the other big thing I watched this week is I finally, finally got around to watching Good Night and Good Luck. Hell yeah. Oh my gosh, it was such a great movie. I liked it a lot. Although, there are some things about it that I'm a little confused about, like the whole subplot with the married couple. I'm like, I don't understand why this is here, but okay. I mean, I'm not complaining about Robert Downey Jr. being in the movie, but... He's awesome in that movie. He is. And the other thing that was confusing was I didn't know exactly, like, who everyone was in the newsroom. Like, obviously, you know who Murrow is. And I guess uh, Friendly was his producer or something. Yeah. Yeah. But, I like, I don't know who any of the other people are. Are they... Reporters or the cameraman, the one guy who commits suicide. I'm like, is he, was he like a producer or something? Like, they never really tell you what everyone does. That, so I was so a little Ray, confused. Ray Wise's character is not uh, a cameraman. He was a reporter for CBS Evening News, which was a different program from See It Now. See It Now was Murrow's own right. thing. And um, Ray Wise's character was. Don Don was the uh, head of the CBS Evening News, and his his whole thing is is that Murrow was able to take the the uh, comments by um, uh, 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 the reporter who kept calling him Pinkos and whatnot, and Ray Wise's character was not able to take it, and he kept getting crushed under that pressure, um, which is a, a a big part of why that film's impactful. Talking about how that name throwing an accusation did ruin a lot of different people within the industry at that time. Um, but yeah, that movie is incredible. Yes. Yes, it is. I, I did think it was uh, interesting that the female characters in the movie are all very obviously like sidelines, like the scene where they're all at the bar drinking and they make the woman the one woman in the group go get the early editions of the papers. And of course her husband, Robert Downey Jr. goes with her. It's like, uh-huh. Right. Why are you sending the woman to go get the papers and not like somebody else? I don't know. It just seemed like. I don't that you're reading yeah. way too much into it. Yeah, totally. Corinne. Maybe, the 1950s. I mean, again, <laughs> as a woman who's been in a newsroom, both on a you know regular basis and a TV newsroom back in the day, you know, it's very obvious to me, considering that now there are a lot of female reporters, producers, news directors, all sorts of stuff. I know. You should, you should watch it. They're not Girl confined Friday. to just being secretaries. Yeah, His Girl Friday. Rosalind Russell. She's amazing. I watched that recently. It's good. It's a great oh, movie. Yeah. Of course it is. Um, so I would compare it to like if you were an athlete and you watched like a sports movie to get you pumped up, this would be a movie that I would watch to get me pumped up to like go take down government corruption or something. Like, yeah. Power hey. speak uh, speaking truth to power and like, you know, watchdog journalism and all this stuff. So 
See, it does a different thing for me. It gets me pumped to make black and white movies that no one cares about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, it must have taken them like two minutes to write this because they used so much of the footage from the actual events. This thing There's must have a, been a breeze to make compared to other movies. Well, what's funny, when that movie came out, there was a lot of um, articles about the choice to use McCarthy's footage rather than casting an art actor to play McCarthy. And there, yeah, they do use a lot of the transcripts, but I think the way they portray it is a lot more intelligent than most films when they're trying to recreate um, a, a situation that already happened on a news clip or a television interview. Like I like Frost Nixon a lot, but it relies way more on it than I think this movie does. Mm-hmm. Also fun fact, George Clooney got paid $3 total to write, direct and star in the movie. Ah, dollar each. huh? <laughs> Good for yep. him. Yep. That's why they were able to keep the budget so low. I think they only made it for like $7 million. That, that but... tracks. Anyway, that's all I've been watching this week. Henry, what have you oh, been watching? Nick? Right. Um, I'm watching a lot of 2000s films just to get like more rounded off for a film selection 2000. Uh, I won't mention anything that might end up on my list. But uh, one thing I watched was Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, uh, which I've never seen Batman Beyond with a TV show. And so I watched this movie. And Wait, you haven't? What's up? Wait, have did you say you have seen Batman Beyond or you have no, not? I have not. Oh, you should really so, watch that. I probably should, but I'm just like really busy being unemployed. Um, and so I watched uh, this film and uh, it was good. It was a lot of fun, but I, the entire time I was watching with me, like, I feel like I'd like this a lot more if I had actually seen the TV show. There's a lot of stuff <laughs> in there that I, like, I'm assuming is something that's a thing in the show that I was just like, okay, I guess that's an element of the thing now. Um, I haven't seen the show, Henry, and uh, I've seen the movie, and I still enjoy the movie. So Yeah, I mean, I like the movie yeah. still. I feel like I probably would enjoy it more if I'd seen the show. Um, the movie takes a really dark turn. Like, the opening 20 minutes are pretty oh, yeah. messed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's a, that's a fun one. If you're a fan of Batman. What was that, Corinne? Oh, I said the ending is messed up, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's definitely probably... No, I'm not going to say it. I was going to say it's my favorite of the animated Batman films, but I've seen, like, two of them. So it's not like, a fair comparison. Have you seen um, Mask of the Fan? Well, Man? I mean... I've not seen that one. The only, one I've, the only two that I've seen are this one and Year One. And so, oh, oh you got to watch Mask of the Phantasm. Yeah, Mask of the Phantasm is fucking awesome. And if yeah, you're doing, I know. If you're doing, like, direct-to-DVD ones, like, Under the Red Hood is awesome. Mm. Oh, yeah. John DiMaggio plays a great Joker in that movie. Yeah. Also, yeah, the Suicide a... Squad movie's good. The animated Suicide Squad. I, I forget what it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Batman's um, in it. So it's yeah. kind of a Batman movie. Um, yeah, I watched that. Uh, and then... Nothing else really notable in 2000. Um, but anyway, I also watched Fantastic Planet, which, uh, Corinne, if you're going to do an underrated animated movie uh, list, I would definitely recommend checking out Fantastic Planet. Uh, it's an animated film from the 70s. Uh, it's French, so that's just one hurdle. But there's, not, there's not a ton of dialogue in it. Um, it's just about, like, the. it's about, like, there's, like, group I wondered, of... Like, I was like, I've never heard of this movie. And you're like, it's French. I'm like, oh, that explains yeah. it. Yeah. 
It's on Criterion. Yeah. It's uh, it's often one of the films you can find on sale, like when they Criterion has their sales because it's like a more mainstream film of theirs. Uh, All right, okay, everyone. Instead, I'm going to be doing underrated American animated films. All right, whatever. But anyway, that's really a lot of fun. See, that's like a English one. No. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, Tennis Plant, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's a French animated film about uh, these like group of astronauts that go to this new planet and then immediately are turned into pets by the aliens that live there. Uh, and it kind of follows the struggles of both the aliens and the astronauts kind of thing. Uh, it's a very fun film. Uh, I highly recommend being the, being under the influence while watching it. It greatly enhances the experience. Um <laughs> But uh, Fantastic Plant, I'd recommend that one. Uh, I love the uh, cover art on the Criterion for it. Oh, yeah, it's gorgeous. It's a a gorgeously animated film, and I highly recommend it. If anyone's into animation, it's a very, it's a great film to watch just for the animation alone. Uh, It's also like, I think it's only like 80 minutes, too, which is really nice. Um, But, uh, and then the only other film that I will mention that I watched that I really like is called Cruel Story of Youth, which none of you will watch. Um... It is a Japanese film from the 70s, uh, from the 60s. Uh, it's kind of like, I saw some, someone say it's like Bonnie and Clyde, but in Japan. Kind of. It's basically about this couple uh, that lives in Japan, and the guy, they're young. The guy wants to be kind of a member of the Yakuza, but doesn't really know how to go about it. And she's just kind of a pushover and doesn't know how to stand up for herself. Um, but it's it's a gorgeous shot. The color is so vibrant in this film. Uh, the acting is really good. Every element of this film is just kind of breathtaking. Uh, it's uh, made by uh, a, fair, a famous Japanese director named uh, Nagasa Oshima. And Nagasa Oshima is considered like the highest tier of the Japanese new wave you can go. He also made uh, America's and Sir Lawrence, which is probably the most famous English language film. What's up? Is that something you saw on the Criterion channel, Henry? Yeah, it's on Criterion channel. Okay, because they, yeah, they get the Criterion available of Oshima's Outlaw 60s collection. Yeah, I, would, I mean, everything Oshima, I would strongly recommend. Bes- right, well, 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 besides In the Realm of the Senses, which maybe check out, it's basically porn, but if you want to watch that, that's also fine. Um, just don't go into that expecting it to be an art house thing. It's 100% porn. I'll, de- um, I'll deprioritize it on the Oshima yeah. ranking list. Uh, for this, for him, do Cruel Story of Youth and Death by Hanging are both incredible films. Uh, I think we will like. But anyway, uh, I'm not going to play more films. The other thing that I watched uh, that I binged watched it on Wednesday. I started it on Wednesday, and since then I've now watched it twice. Uh, is Doom Patrol uh, on HBO Max now? Uh, the DC show. Uh, Doom Patrol very well might be my favorite superhero show of all time, if not, it may be number two, second to maybe The Boys. Um, it's really well done, like, to a surprising degree. Um, it's super bingeable, obviously. Um, it's really fun. It's the most creative. I want to say it's the most creative TV show I've seen in a very long time, while also being... It's a lot of fun while also being very threatening at the same time, where, like, the threats are very real. Uh, and, like, when it gets dark, it gets really dark. Um, but if you've not seen it, it's a DC show. I think it's in its own universe. I don't think it really, besides Titans, I don't think it really connects to anything. 
because uh, I mean, Cyborg is in the show, and it's a different Cyborg than the movies and everything else. Um, but uh, it's a wonderful show about like kind of the, these group of people who have superpowers, but their superpowers more so just ruin their lives, and they can't really be heroes or anything like that. And so they'll just kind of hang out together, and then it's about how they are forced to kind of like for their own reasons they have to go find basically their dad and it's about their, their adventure of them finding their dad is the first season. Uh, the main antagonist of the show is Alan Tudyk as Mr. Nobody, which is the greatest villain I have seen in any superhero show period, possibly any superhero movie. I, the, how they do Mr. Nobody in the show is genuinely one extremely creative, but also extremely terrifying. Uh, Mr. Nobody in the show is basically a character who, his powers that he can control reality. And so part of the show is that he's the narrator for the show, but he's just like, he's the villain. And I can't think of any other time where the narrator for a show is a villain. And he's also really funny um, while also being genuinely terrifying at moments. And so it's definitely, it, it walks a very thin line of being equally funny and depressing. I mean, like I've laughed many times throughout the show, but I've also like, cried a lot in the show too there's like really good dramatic moments uh, and also now that it's on HBO Max which is a more accessible streaming service I feel like you should definitely check it out if you have HBO Max because it's great uh, and uh, and season 2 just started uh, and I genuinely think everyone in it is fantastic Brendan Fraser makes a great comeback in the show Matt Bomer is incredible uh, Timothy Dalton is amazing in it um it seems it's that HBO is going to be taking over the DC stuff because Harley Quinn's moving over there too. I mean, I mean, like for this one, since they just started the new season, the promos for it are no longer saying DC Universe, are now just saying HBO Max exclusive. Hmm. And so I'm assuming they're just shifting everything to HBO Max. Uh, but I, I cannot recommend it enough because I, wa- I started watching it as kind of a fucking whatever kind of thing. I needed something very quickly to download for the plane. And so I just downloaded the first episode of it while at the airport, uh, which kind of was the first thing I saw. But it has legitimately blown me away to ways I have never experienced before. So I strongly, strongly recommend you you at least try to check it out because I think you will have fun with it. I think it's a very, very well done show. But uh, And then very quickly, uh, Perry Mason just started on HBO and that show is fucking gorgeous. The cinematography for that is amazing. Matthew Reese is amazing. If you like noir... Uh, and you like mysteries, definitely check out Perry Mason. That's also a great show. But anyway, that's what I've been watching. Yeah, I, I really want to watch Perry Mason. I, I forgot it came out because Robert Downey Jr. was originally supposed to be yeah. Mason. Yeah. And then he just decided to be, I guess, a producer. Yeah. I think, I mean, Perry Mason is extremely dark. Mm-hmm. There's like some moments in that show where it's genuinely like, shaken me to my core how dark it gets. And it's one of things where it's like, I don't know if I can see Robert Downey Jr. going that dark this quickly kind of thing. I think he can get really dark in his career, but I think coming off of Iron Man and then also Doolittle, I think it would be a hard left if he took this role. So I think Matthew Reese is doing a fantastic job. You can tell that his passion is still there because it's such a well-executed show and they fucking nail the time period and the setting and all that kind of stuff. Sweet. So there's clearly great passion behind it, and I would 
If you're going to watch it, definitely check it out. Cause it's well, yeah, I mean, the trailer's awesome. awesome. The trailer's awesome. So. Oh, yeah. So, but anyway, I, the, everything I've said so far, I recommend. And anyway, that's what I've been watching. So, Brad? Uh, yeah, so I, I watched some new things this week. Um, let's start with... Uh, did anyone else watch Eurovision Song Contest, the Story of Fire Saga? I was so close yeah, to yeah, watching it. It's on my list on Netflix. Yeah, I was uh, excited to be kind of just dumb and disposable, but I actually rather enjoyed it. Um, it actually has like a good heart to it, but it is shockingly... Let me double check here just to make sure um, what the runtime is. Yeah, two hours and three minutes for a comedy, which... I think around the hour and a half mark, I was like, oh, cool. This movie's wrapping up. And then I saw the Netflix playhead and it still had like a third of the screen to go. And I was like, how is that possible? Like this story's over. And yeah, the story is a uh, uh, pretty cliche. You know, there's uh, this Icelandic music duo and you, uh, the Rachel McAdams character, uh, you know, secretly has uh, feelings for Will Ferrell's character. Um, so, you know, that's like, that's how it's going to play out is, you know, something in, in their trajectory of success is going to come between them. And um, Dan Stevens is this Russian singer for the Euro- Eurovision contest. And he sets up like this plot to break them up. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's, it's like, you know where that's going and it, it ends how you think it would. But the real fun is just like the weirdness in between all that. Um there's like a really fun gag with uh, Rachel McAdams believes in elves. Um, and she constantly asks the elves for help in, you know, managing their success. Um, and Will Ferrell doesn't believe in them, but he goes along with it. Um, and it, it, and they do it so much that you're like, okay, the elves have to be real. And when, when and you, when you find out like how that they're real at the end, it's, just, it's, it's incredible. It's, it's amazing. It's my, my favorite part of the movie. Um, and I'm not spoiling giving them away because like they they talk about the elves so much early on that you're like they're obviously setting up that they're real. So um yeah. And then uh what else? That's about it. There's weird gags like that. They're just like a lot of fun. Uh Pierce Brosnan's in it as Will Ferrell uh, Will Ferrell's character's dad. Um, you know, it's it's the cliche of he's disappointed in his son for choosing a path of music for his career and um Obviously, he has to come around by the end. So, yeah, check it out. It's actually kind of fun and really sweet at the end. Uh, the other thing I watched that was new. Sorry, wait for my letterbox diary to load. Uh, the Social Network I have never seen until recently, wow, and that. and that wasn't as much as I thought it would be. <laughs> it was actually just kind of like a really small movie. Uh, that's uh, just a lot of people talking about what happened. Huh? It's very Aaron Sorkin. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I forgot he wrote it. So, but not a lot of walking and talking, which (laughs) a lot of sitting and talking. (laughs) Yeah. That's how he changed it up this time is he just wrote people sitting down and talking. So like the, the, uh, the challenging part was just following the timelines, I guess. And after a while, it's not even that hard. So, but then you realize too that Mark Zuckerberg's always been a prick. <laughs> yep. Well, I don't know. Like he does shitty things, but 
as Rashida Jones kind of comments at the end, he's, you know, she tells him like, you're just trying to be a dick. Like you don't have to be like, you're yep. not necessarily that guy. I don't know why you're trying to be so. But then in real life when he's lately, you're like, Oh, he is a dick. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Aaron's um, said many times that he is totally down. If David Fincher comes to him and says, we're going to make social network two, he says, I'm hundred percent on board to write right. social network two. And so. That's the thing is like, the story isn't that interesting really, you know? Yeah. Um, no, it's more about the characters in that film for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff you already know pretty well, like it's just really filling in like minute details, like uh, Eduardo Saverin. I didn't really know much about him. So, um, although I think it's weird that Andrew Garfield is playing a Brazilian. I think he's Brazilian. Yep. So it's a great uh, movie. Uh, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> and then, uh, the last thing I saw, which, uh, I'm surprised by the rating is, uh, my spy. It's a D- Dave Batista comedy about being a spy. Yeah. And, and teaming up with a little girl who puts him through the ringer. Um, I, I, at one point I thought the rating was R because, <laughs> Uh, there's there's actually quite a bit of swearing and like even one of the bad guys gets shot in the face on camera. Nice. <laughs> I was like, whoa! I thought it was like a cute little like PG movie for families, and no, it's not. Um, but it is fun. Um, it's actually quite charming. Um, the story is like, don't go for the story because much like Eurovision, it's you you know where everything's going. The villain almost has like no screen time. Um, a lot of the movie is just Dave Bautista spying on this girl and her family. And uh, the girl is so smart that she figures it out. And then um, uh, what's her name from Bob's Burgers is like his partner, but you know, Kristen Schaal, Kristen Schaal, like she's Dave Bautista is her idol spy, but um, he's so like cut off and isolated that, you know, he won't train her, but she'll train the little girl because the little girl has blackmail on him. Um, and so like those two dynamics come to a head and, uh, the, the, the CIA is very upset with him because he's so much of a, like kick in the door, uh, type of operative when he needs to be more cerebral and actually like learn about people. And, uh, so yeah, this whole experience brings him down to, uh, being a more well-rounded, uh, operative and, uh, but yeah, the, the like the little girl, like her, all her like shenanigans, like putting him uh, through so much is actually quite fun. And she's actually really mean to him <laughs> in a lot of places, which is great. Uh, so, but yeah, just like really actually quite violent and uh, a lot of profanity. I was, I was surprised. Like I wasn't offended. I was just like, wow, they really swung for that. So nice. that's all I watched. That's new. Used to be like my bench post for quarantine for What's whatever. That? Every year I basically uh, pick a random film that I sarcastically like for some reason. Um, and this year it was my spy. And so every single time when coronavirus kept starting to like delay certain films, uh, it would be like when they finally delayed my spy, that was when I said they finally gone too far. Doing <laughs> 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 here. So it's it's enough to get Henry to get out in March. 
Yeah. For social justice. I'm seeing this film at a goddamn AMC and I'm not wearing a fucking mask. (laughs) (laughs) I want to experience the full 5.1 surround sound. Oh my God. All right. My turn. All right. I watched a couple of things this week. My catchphrase. Ha ha. Um, I, uh, after our, Oh brother, where art thou review? Um, I kicked back and did a Cohen double feature. So I watched the lady killers from 2004 um it's it's a movie that i still go to bat for even though it's uh considered lesser cohen um i really love tom hanks in that movie because he's playing a villain and i i'm trying to think of other movies where tom hanks is inherently the villain and i don't think there's many like that are that you can immediately point to i mean just road to perdition is the one i yeah but he's also much more sympathetic or in Road to Perdition, like, from what I remember, like, he's not, he's not as, like, nefarious as Jude Law is in that movie. Isn't um, he the villain in that The Circle film that no one likes? Oh, that's right. He is, he is the villain in The Circle. Thank you for reminding me of that movie I f- had willingly forgot. That's <laughs> maybe one of my least favorite films we actually saw. Oh, yeah. That 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 was a fun time talking with James about that movie um, in the car ride to that review. Um, but no, in The Lady Killers, he plays Professor Goldthwaite Higginson Dorr, PhD, um, and he rounds up a bunch of uh, common uh, common criminals to rob a casino, uh, a riverboat casino, and uh, they get caught by the old lady whose house they're using, and so they have to figure out a way to get her out of the way. Um, this movie is still a lot of fun. It's it's a film that, with the Coens behind it, I feel like it's it's somewhat above the normal realm of early 2000s comedies where it actually has obviously visual depth to it, but also is working on a different level of intelligence. Um, and that whole cast is fucking fantastic. J.K. Simmons and Marlon Wayans. It's one of my favorite. This probably is Marlon Wayans' best performance in a movie that I can think of. Um, Z Ma, Ryan Hurst, and Irma P. Hall is, is still fucking amazing in the movie. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's a film that I I don't they don't have a Blu-ray of it, which really sucks. Um, and I really wish Touchstone or Disney would get on that because I would like a Blu-ray of that in the future. Um, and then that actually led me to watching No Country for Old Men again, and I hadn't um, watched it yet on the. I found I found somehow the two disc collectors edition Blu-ray, which I guess is not really in print, but it's still in stock at Amazon. So I picked it up a cup like a month ago, and that transfer on this particular Blu-ray is fucking beautiful on that TV of mine. Um, and I just fell in love with that movie all over again. It's it's just a straight up wonderful horror western movie that I fucking enjoy, um, and uh, just just watching it like this, everything from sound design, like everything's just, just fucking perfect for that film. Like I, I, there's not much else I could say about it that hasn't already been said on the 2007 film explosion. Um, and then I, I started going through the pioneers of African-American cinema, um, set that I got from Kino classics. Um, and I mainly went through a lot of the special features and some of the short films to start. And, it's it's a pretty amazing feat of restoration. One of the things that I found interesting about the set, and they talk about it in a um, featurette, is that a lot of the films that they have on the set 
are ones that are virtually beyond repair, but there's going to be no other way to see these movies. So they still presented them with warped, uh, with warped imagery and all, all the scratches um, intact because there's no other way you're going to see what's left of these films, which is a travesty and, a, and um, a, another reason why you save and restore films on a regular basis. Um, and they also have, one of the things they talk about is, and I saw the, I saw the clips of it, is they have fractured frames remaining from the Lincoln Film Company, which was the first film company owned and operated by African-Americans. So it's, it's one of those things where I'm glad this set exists to at least show us what's left and to remind people to not throw these things away um, I mean, obviously we've got digital now, but that's, that's to my mind, that's even more of a risk to lose things if the ca- if the computers glitch and Skynet happens. But um, but uh, one of the shorts that I saw on it was Two Nights of Vaudeville, which is a ten minute short about um, two two guys um, find a ticket to the vaudeville theater. They take this girl along. They get thrown out of the theater for trying to one up the performer. So then they throw on their own vaudeville show. And it's a and it's a short that it, that obviously you know has the humor of its time, but it's interesting to see that the 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 play out of this R gang kind of scenario within a uh, a, a much more uh, vaudevillian flair and not trying to be cutesy like it's kind of it's kind of like an interestingly sincere slapstick short. Um, so yeah, I I would I'm gonna try to go through all the ones on here. The next one on the list is Body and Soul, which is by Oscar Michaud and stars Paul Robeson in one of his, this is supposed to be his first film role. And it's one that he didn't acknowledge at the time because of um, his relationship with Eugene O'Neill. But um, I'll, I'll dig into that next week and you guys can hear me talk about it. But Paul Robeson's great. Anytime you can watch a Paul Robeson thing, you fucking should. Um, And then, I got a Blu-ray from MPI of the Rathbone, Nigel Bruce, Sherlock Holmes movies on Blu-ray for the first time because I've never had them on Blu-ray. So I watched the uh, Hound of the Baskervilles and the Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, which I've already talked about on the show, but those look beautiful on this uh, this MPI set. And they have a featurette about how they restored the universal ones, which are the ones where Sherlock Holmes is brought to the modern era to fight Nazis, which is... If you can think of a better use for Sherlock Holmes during World War II, the answer is to fight fucking Nazis. Um, and part of this, I found this interesting, Ryan. They, the distributors of the um, those Sherlock Holmes films, when they got them to television, the new owners trimmed out the studio logos. And so for years, those studio logos were missing and had no uh, form or function. So much so that in Dress to Kill... There, the the title, the end title is supposed to fade out on the image, the end, and they couldn't find it, so they had to settle for a traditional the end uh, tag on a Warner Brother or on a Universal feature. So it's another again example of why you don't throw things in the garbage uh, just because they uh, outlive their usefulness, in your opinion. Uh, and then I rewatched Stage Fright um, with uh, uh, Marlene Dietrich, directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Um, Ryan, you've seen Stage Fright, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So you know what I'm talking about. This is a good movie. Watch it. Um, but you'll get to hear me more, talk more about it on an upcoming Shamley Silhouette episode. Um, and then the last thing that I watched was 
Um, HBO Max had a documentary that I'd never seen called Cavett and Ali, The Tale of the Tapes, um, which was about, uh, it's, it's one, it's about Ali. It's mainly about Ali, but it's also about the interviews that Dick Cavett did with him um, throughout the course of Cavett's career and also pretty much leading up to Muhammad Ali retiring. And uh, what's the, the primary focus on it is examining Ali, the showman, and how he presented himself on TV in a way that no other representative of boxing or uh, African-American leaders were at the time. But the, the, the beautiful part of it to me also is watching how you, you watch the, through Cavett show, you watch how Ali goes from one end of his career to the point where he is just on the ropes um, metaphorically through um, basically just he's, his body is shut down. He can't fight anymore. And then it ends discussing the importance of him lighting the torch at the Olympics in the 1996. Um, and just listening to Cavett talk about him and reminisce about him was like, it, it, it moved me. It actually, I shed a couple of tears over this because it's very clear that Cavett, this is one of the, one of the many like, special moments that he holds dear that still has a modern reach because you know he's interviewed all these celebrities over the years from like the olden golden age of hollywood but muhammad ali is a figure that extends beyond even that scope and the the footage they show of their friendship and you know the different programs they did did together was is was quite enjoyable and i i can't recommend it enough it's on hbo max if you want to check it out along with an ali documentary that was directed by antoine fuqua uh, which is also very good. So, but that's all I watched this week. Zach, I love you. You always like say this is what else that I watch, and then you end it like you don't have anything else you're gonna say, and then it's like <laughs> another one. Wait, Ryan, I also watched five Cary Grant movies, and I'm gonna talk about them right in a row. <laughs> <laughs> um, I watched absolutely nothing this week. I played The Last of Us Part Two. Oh, Ooh, uh, it's amazing. Really. It's like a it's, a, it's a game you play and you get wrapped up in it. Uh, for Father's Day, Laura got me um, headphones. And so I've been just like cranking it up, like getting immersed in it. And um, yeah, there's oh. the, the characters and um, it, it's amazing. You know, the, the guys at Naughty Dog are able to tell stories in a medium that doesn't get a lot of credit for how great the stories are in video games. Good job. Good job, buddy. And, uh, is that the shit game. What's up? Is it, did he win the shit game? <laughs> no, no, he's playing uh, garden warfare too. <laughs> no one wins the shit game, Brad. No yeah. one. Um, so yeah, it's, um, emotionally draining. It's a, it's a game that I can't even describe, uh, the emotions you go through in it. Um, it's, especially if you've played the first one, you get really attached to these characters and it's super intense. They, uh, the, the premise of the game is there's people that are infected by this fungus. And it, I mean, they say they're zombies, but I hate when people call infected people zombies. A zombie is someone who dies and comes back to life. Um, yeah, it's, it's like a parasite, isn't it? Is that what's supposed to be like mushrooms and that kind of thing? Yeah. So, Kellen's yelling at me. So, um, yeah, uh, so, yes, in this, they kind of, because of the power of the PlayStation 4, um, it's one of the only games where you have to um, load a disc that has, like, 40 gigs on it, 
before you can play it. Um, and there's a scene or there's a moment in the game where you're kind of going back and forth between two characters and you're this uh, lady named Abby. And in the, in the, even in the previous uh, lot last for us, there's maybe like five or six of the infected going around. There's three different versions. There's like the runners, which are people that are just infected and are just going crazy. Um, then there's the clickers that have fungus growing all over their faces and can't see, but they, uh, they, chase you down with echo uh, location. So they constantly go make clicking sounds and they bounce it off. So if you make too much noise, they'll, you can't really beat them. Um, and then there's a third version. But uh, so in the game, in the first one and this one, they set you up, there's like maybe most five around. And there's this part where you're this lady and you kill like one of the runners. And all of a sudden you hear them like, uh, I don't know, hundreds of them screaming. And, uh, the game's awesome. It goes from like cut scenes to in game flawlessly. So you hear them screaming and she looks over her shoulder and there's like a hundred of them running down the side of the hill, chasing you. So you have to outrun them. And then you get down, you jump over this like little ravine and she's like, Oh, I lost them. And then there's like a hundred more coming from the other side. It's fucking intense and it's awesome. Um, so you should pick up the last of us part two, if you have a PlayStation four, cause you'll play it for hours. Like I have. And I heard it's a really, like they say it averages 25 hours, but I keep on looking for everything and I've already put like 10 hours into it. So it might take me a lot longer than 25 hours to beat it. Oh, shit, Ryan, I didn't know this was a video game podcast or I would have talked about how I played Dragon Ball Fighter Z this week. Nice. My lineup is Goku Black, Vegeta, and Teen Gohan. Nice. What's that for? I don't know what game system that's for. Uh, PS3, I think. I don't know. No. Cool, Corinne. <laughs> also, I would just like to point out, Ryan, that you didn't watch Pride and Prejudice, so... Um, no, I did. I watched one half of one episode, so... Wait, I only have five and a half hours to go. Wait, this is a series? Yeah, yeah. it's a mini-series with Colin Firth and Jennifer L. Here's so the- I start watching it, I'm like, man, I really want to, like, kill things. So I mean, here's the thing: we were we've discovered ways to present Pride and Prejudice in movie format. Do we really need a TV show of it? I don't think so. Because <laughs> hands down, the best adaptation of Pride and Prejudice includes zombies. Of course, oh. best of both wait, worlds. Wait, wait, wait! Pride and Prejudice video game. Oh my god, that'd be so boring. I actually think they have it's an RPG. I guarantee you, there is one. Spin <laughs> <laughs> the wheel to decide your tea. <laughs> Earl Grey again. <laughs> this is a pricey silverware. Oolong to get to the show next me, level. Show me your wares. <laughs> but uh, it all seriousness, Corinne. I'll talk about it when I watch the whole thing. Okay. I just when I, I playing Last of Us, it gets me too amped, and it's a little too boring right now, and I can't focus on it. All right, fair enough. But hopefully soon, and then afterward, I'll watch. Friday the 13th, I guess. Yeah, you will. Well, here's the thing. Would... If Ryan's going to watch a miniseries, I feel like you've got to watch the entire franchise. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pride wait, be prejudice. Wait. He doesn't have to watch Jason, Jason Goes to Hell, does she? Because that's, oh, yeah. that's mean to everyone. That's the best oh, one. Yeah. 
No, I mean, no, there's Henry. Only, there's only 12 it. films, <laughs> an hour and a half each film. Some of them aren't even an hour and a half, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, some are like 82 minutes. You're right. Nine is the one that really makes you think. It does. Hey, does Ryan, it? Just remember, Not killing yourself. I, I gave you the option. I when we did the movie swap, I was like, you can do this or you can do a little princess, and you're like, I'll do Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, so you brought this on yourself. Well, I mean, I'll watch it. You tell me it's good. I mean, I don't know yet. We'll find out. Okay. Well, there you go. This week on Retro Real Nerds Podcast, we chose to revisit Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story, or some of us haven't seen it yet. Brad, should people revisit Walk Hard? Pride v. Prejudice, the Merchant Ivory Chronicles. Um, <laughs> walk, walk Hard. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, it, it definitely... Um, some parts have not aged well. Uh, but uh, I think overall that the movie is such a, a wink and a nod to a string of biopics from the early 2000s, uh, like a certain filmmaking style that, you know, the, the whole movie is just completely talking to the audience and saying like, hey, notice this thing about biopics? Hey, notice this thing about biotics, biopics? And it's, it's just joke after joke. It's, it's pretty fun. Henry, should people revisit Walk Hard? Uh, yeah, I think it's good. Uh, I think it's a very fun movie. And, I mean, yeah, some of it has not aged well, but nothing aged well, apparently. Wait, what does it age well on it? Do we have to, can we say that now, or should we wait after the trailer? After. Okay. Anyway, sorry, uh, Henry. I mean, it's like, I don't know. And I think of the films that have not aged well, it's one of the better ones. So, it's not like there's a twist at the end where someone's transgender. And so, <laughs> I think it's, and, you know, I think, uh, in terms of canceling movies, this is not the highest priority to me. But uh, yeah, uh, I think it's pretty good. You should check it out. Zach? Yeah, uh, and if you don't uh, like the movie, you have the option of tearing out your sink because uh, <laughs> it's a beautiful running gag in this movie. Now, um, yeah, I I love the film. I I There was a part of me re-watching it going like, man, like it's hitting a lot of Mel Brooks beats that I'd never like counted on before because i when i first saw this i looked at it as an apatow movie um but john c Riley's still great in the film and i think that the jokes still land for the most part um if anything's not aged well it's similar to something like a blazing saddles where you can still kind of enjoy it within the context of when it came out and i think the way it addresses the austerity of a biopic is still fucking brilliant and on point so yeah go watch it Corinne, you've never seen Walk Hard. I haven't. You see Walk Hard? Sure. I was kind of pleasantly surprised by the movie. Had a pretty good time watching it. There were a couple of jokes that I didn't care for personally. I don't know if it's because they didn't age well, as the other guy said, or if it's just like my... Not funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, obviously the, that scene, there's a scene with um, very, very... Like, just, are you, you going to yeah. say something mean about Bert? <laughs> no, I was talking about the scene where the the guys are walking around with their dongs hanging out. Yeah, I was saying not... something about Bert. This <laughs> <laughs> is Rudy. Oh, I forgot what his name was. Okay. Um, yeah, I didn't appreciate that scene, but yeah. just in general, like I remember watching Walk the Line. 
And so that first bit where it's kind of parodying Johnny Cash's life, I really, really enjoyed. When it shifted, it caught me off guard because the trailers I watched for the movie very much emphasized the kind of parody of Johnny Cash's life and not the parody of the other artists. But there was actually like some pretty fun and catchy songs in the movie. Oh, yeah. Upward as a song is very much in keeping with the spirit of Johnny Cash's music and sounds like something that he would have he would have performed. That, so. That's that's the overall joke though is like Johnny Cash's story is pretty much every musician's biopic story where yeah. you know they get into the business like they want to make the music and then they get sucked into drugs or uh or being shitty to the people that supported them and uh you know they crash and then they ultimately make a comeback like that's the joke is like all those stories are the Johnny Cash story. <laughs> like that's the like that's the the music industry story. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I know you guys don't have a high opinion of Honest Trailer, but I do know that when they did the Oscars one and they were talking about Bohemian Rhapsody, they said that it's one Rami Malek performance away from being a non-parody version of Walk Hard the Dewey Cox story. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bunch of clips like you know, the different beats of like, I don't need anybody or, you know, the different like drugs that he was taking and things of that nature. So, yeah, I think Brad is right. But anyway, yeah, it was a pretty fun movie. It's harmless. It's like 90 minutes. You'll be fine. Yeah. Um, again, I, I don't know why James hates this movie so much because <laughs> it's it's like totally silly. And it's yeah, I didn't get that either. I mean, I feel like James and I maybe don't have the exact same taste in movies, but more similar than maybe some of you other nerds but yeah i thought that that was weird i'm like james vehemently hates this movie apparently i don't know why wait a minute what do you mean by you other nerds here's a a trailer for walk hard the dewey cox story mr cox mr cox give him a minute son dewey cox needs to think about his entire life before he plays from the time he was a boy. Ain't no six-year-old understand the true meaning of the blues. I reckon I might. I done a bad thing. Cut my brother in half. It's not bad for your first time. The music of Dewey Cox Take my hand has had an effect on people. It's the devil's music! From the guy who brought you Talladega Nights and Superbad. You have got to give up this dream! You're never gonna make it! And maybe you don't believe in me after all. I do believe in you. I just know you're gonna fail. Columbia Pictures presents The Epic Journey. Walking to the top of a mountain ain't easy. It's a long, hard walk. But I will walk hard. Of the man who became a legend. Walk hard. The Beatles want to hang out, so I'm going to go do that. With meditation, there's no limit to what we can imagine. This Christmas... I'm leaving you. You can take the children, but you leave me, my monkey. When it comes to music... I ain't good enough to follow Elvis. There's two things you need to know. I'm the king, and number two is... Look out, man! You see how close I came to your head? I can chop a man in half. I'm guilty as John. No legend is bigger 
Ethan Cox. You about my new wife, Cheryl Cox T? Thanks, buddy Holly. What do you think, George Harrison? The one, the only, Dewey Cox. And thank you, Eddie Vader. Walk hard. What happened to you, Dewey? I don't know, but I know what happened to you. Patrick Deppy took a beating. Walk hard. My life has been blessed, from my singing, to my family, to my sausage. It doesn't say Cox, unless I say it tastes like Cox. So yeah, I mean, if you've seen any music biopic, this is basically hitting every beat in it. You know, where uh, it's just so dumb. And if you take it seriously, then you're not going to have a good time. I mean, I'm in it right right away because it's so silly when it says... I'm young. I have everything to live for. And it's the kids like doing the most dangerous stuff you could possibly do. Um, And uh, and it's just, it's just silly. And then, you know, it cuts to him in high school and he's like, I'm just 14 years old. And it's John C. Riley. (laughs) And they, they, I'm leaving with my 12 year old wife. (laughs) They, and they bring it up again when he's 21 and he thinks so much more time has passed when he gets sent to prison and he's only 21. Yeah. He he has like 20 kids by then. Yeah. (laughs) That was another funny running gag was like, every time we see his family, his, and his wife, she's like about 10 more kids. <laughs> and he wants nothing with being a dad because you know when they his wife leaves him he says you leave the ki- you take the kids but you leave my monkey <laughs> and then the next scene where he's yelling at the monkey on the bus he's like all you do is eat fruit and pick your nose fuck you and he gets up and he says all you do is eat fruit pick your nose and masturbate <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah oh the, the whole sense of smell bit too um still gets me i love that it's one of my favorite jokes in the movie is uh he's like I, i'm so glad you learned how to play without having a sense of smell it's okay mama i learned how to play by ear <laughs> yeah. get out of here dewey you don't want no part of this <laughs> we're smoking reefers <laughs> i think i do <laughs> you've never <laughs> bought drugs no does it, does it have you, make you not want to have sex it makes sex better <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah it's a, it's just so dumb oh. and it makes oh, it, the cocaine the, co- it, the cocaine one it ta- it makes all your bad feelings into good feelings <laughs> um because john c Riley is so great in the movie um i mean he just he understands the music biopic and that's why um i'm not a fan of bohemian rhapsody i think bohemian rhapsody is garbage mm-hmm. so like watching this just reaffirms that most music biopics are okay. Like I like La Bamba. Um, Bamba's and, good, yeah. And I, I love to, you know, how on the nose some of the script or uh, dialogue is. I don't know, Buddy Holly, if I should go out there. <laughs> but, you know, Dewey Cox has to tell us who he's, who these people are. So you're telling me it's the big bopper, Buddy Holly, Elvis Presley, then me? <laughs> yeah, just for one night. <laughs> I, I like how the whole movie is like all the characters are explaining the movie to you. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. Um, so, uh, go, what what jokes don't age well? I I mean, I watched it like yesterday, so I didn't even notice. There was some racial stuff, like in the uh, like the African American club, and then uh, oh. when the I, well, 
See, I don't know if that's not aged well. I think they're actually kind of making fun of um, like the the black exploitation movies from the seventies. Yeah, like, it's, it's not well, terrible, but it's just like it's you know I can see people taking it the wrong way. Well, I, think, I think that you're right, uh, Ryan, and that like it is commentating on that whole thing, yeah. but it's not okay in the same vein of how we're removing like every television episode of all time right now for right. See, I know that, that thing also like really. I don't believe in censorship at all. And um, in a way by removing Even hate speech? Like, I'm sorry? Even hate speech? It's not hate speech, though. and um, It's not, but I mean, you don't believe in censorship at all. Well, so, no, I, I, I believe in your First Amendment right. So, so you're, you have, you're okay with Klan rallies? Well, you have a First Amendment right, don't you? So yeah. the, the idea... I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. Um, so I... I mean, I, I get where Brad and Henry are coming from. I, I mean, I definitely cringed a little bit when he said the N-word or something in that song. But I think that the whole sequence, what I got from it was, like, how so many popular white musicians actually became famous by stealing from Black artists and, like, Black music at the time. Yeah. Like Elvis Presley is very famous for that. Like he, did he actually say the N-word or did he just say Negro in it? I, I, think the, I think the N-word only pops up at his, like, remixed rap song at the end. I mean, either way, it definitely made me cringe. Maybe, yeah. The Negro, but, I mean, maybe as going Hollywood, back, I, it's bad. a way of, um, like, when you talk about um, an episode of Community that's pulled out because he's a dark elf on Community, it's, it's a way of, like, Nazi book burning. You know what I mean? It's like, we're not going to show you this stuff, even though it's there. And I, I and some of the stuff I just think starts getting kind of ridiculous. Um, I think they mostly just kind of pull that so they don't have to deal with a backlog. Like in this maybe. moment, obviously there's a, the microscope is like really in on it. So they're like, well, if we, if we quietly take these away, you know, less people will be, you know, aware of it. So, but Hey, it's you know, a good argument for buying Blu-rays and DVDs because no, that's why I was telling my wife. I, I literally ordered the Community Complete series this week so I could get it. But also, so, I mean, this is, I was talking to friends about this and my wife. So there's also an episode of Community where Danny Pudi, who's a really great Indian-American actor, um, plays a doppelganger where he wears white face. Is that offensive? I mean, where do you draw the line? Um, probably should be, yeah. I'm, yeah, but I mean, that's what I mean. You, you're going to sacrifice art? I mean, it's a, it's a comedy show, and I think comedy should be pushing boundaries. I'm not saying be racist and be a, j- a jackass. I'm just saying you. I mean, you're eventually gonna have to draw the line somewhere. I think those things will come back, though. I think it's just like in this moment, they just don't want to deal with it. So. And I, I think um, sometimes we look at things way too seriously. I mean, even the because um, I mean, I don't, I didn't even think twice about you know him performing at the you know the black bar the black nightclub i just thought it was a commentary like what corinne said you know he's just being put up there and they told him he has to perform exactly the same and um that's where the shot comes from is not because because dewey cox isn't racist he's just performing it because they told him he had to do it the same way and that's where the shock and the and and where the joke comes from and you know because even the (laughs) i love the nightclub owner says that floor better be clean so my but the guests can dance erotically on there. And it's, 
it's just so silly. And um, the, the I don't other... know, maybe I just don't see things that way. I, I I tend to just watch them and take them for what they are. I mean, we talked about Showboat a couple weeks ago when Irene Dunn dons blackface. I mean, that's pretty jarring because in the 30s, that was acceptable caricature of African-American culture. Um, yeah. This, I don't know. Well, no, th- th- this isn't on the same level. And also, the showboat has has attached features to provide the context available, but Lockhart's not towing into that situation. So, like, oh, I, mean. I, I agree with Corinne. Be censored. Um, but Corinne's writing this in, in, within that commentary, that, and I noticed it, too. I was like, it's interesting that this this movie's commenting on it more than the austere biopics that it's parodying would address ever. Um pointed to the fact also of the way you handle the 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 concept of celebrity within that particular period of time like when he gets his own fucking dumb uh variety show yeah <laughs> he's doing uh fucking uh david bowie that <laughs> has that sp- rat spaceship a spacesuit on um and like oh the band breakup scene when they break up because he's going through his uh lsd phase yeah, and that the uh, I, Beatle breakup. Uh, yeah, it it every time uh, Tim Meadows says, and you never once paid for drugs. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just lost it. And also Chris Parnell, he's this guy. I, Chris Parnell, he always gets the shaft and things, but he's always brilliant whenever he's on screen. He literally and, got it and walk hard because remember he said, "You made oh, yeah. it ten years ago, and it's made me really confused." <laughs> oh, oh, and then years later, when he sees him in the getting ba- the band back together, and he just like jumps on him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i love the scene too where dewey's like uh he's like yeah hey they're saying i stole from bob dylan maybe bob dylan stole from me bob dylan the bob dylan song he does is fucking hilarious <laughs> man what the fuck is this song about you just don't get it man <laughs> so i agree with zach there really is something in the weird humor in this movie of how they keep repeating things and instead mm-hmm. of getting bored, like more just annoying or whatever, it somehow gets funnier. Zach oh, mentioned yeah. the sink thing earlier, and I forgot about that. That was probably my favorite bit in the whole movie, was when he keeps breaking sinks every time something terrible happens. And again, it's like instead of it getting more annoying, it just gets funnier. It, it, it's something that even when I saw this back around the time it came out on DVD, I did. I was not noticing the amount of sync breaking. This was the first time I noticed it. And I was like, holy shit, they are really upping the ante. Like a good comic, good comedy. If it, if it's done correctly, can do a repeat and one up the, the same gag. And I think this film's biggest accomplishment is that it's able to do that. Um, well, there's also a great visual joke that I never caught before. So Dewey marries Darlene, and so he's married to two women. And when he comes home to meet his other wife, Edith, if you look at John C. Riley, he's wearing two wedding rings. <laughs> it's a funny little joke that oh, you, if you don't watch it a couple times, I, it's the first time I noticed it was when I watched it today or yesterday. Good stuff. Um, same thing with the dad's recurring thing of, like, the wrong kid died. Doesn't it? <laughs> Doesn't he say something about, like, it becomes, like, a tune that he sings later in the movie or something? Well, that, and it's like, kid, dad. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's, like, shoveling hay in the bar. So yeah, he's just yeah, yeah, yeah. himself. 
or that you know he grows up to be Jonah Hill. I think it's just an excuse to have Jonah Hill be an obnoxious ghost because <laughs> it's an Apatow movie. Uh, I love how uh, yeah, everyone's can... a ghost and he flips them off. <laughs> I love how uh, the ghost you know convinces him to like get his life in tra- on track, but he still relapses. And he, he's yeah. like, "What the hell, man? <laughs> like, you're supposed to be living for both of us. You know how hard it is to jerk off as a ghost." <laughs> I got a ghost. Oh, hand. This, was a, this was a good gag when he's when he goes to rehab the first time and they're doing like the doctor doctor he need, he's cold he needs blankets yeah. and like too hot too hot he needs less blankets <laughs> that's I'm hot and cold at the same time doctor he needs more blankets and he needs less blankets <laughs> <laughs> and then later in that scene when he's um, aggressively making out with um, Jenna Fisher he's just like he's just like those blankets save my life. <laughs> yeah. So uh, a lot of like weird stupid things yeah oh it's it's i'm sorry Zach. It, like the duet with jenna fisher too like the the oh, high schooler in me it. thinks it's so brilliant you know like in your mind you're blowing me kisses <laughs> <laughs> there's like this pause and it's so juvenile but it's so brilliant <laughs> that's what i'm saying yeah. like the music in this movie was actually really good for what they were trying to do yeah Here's the number number one hit record, Walk Hard, that was just released 30 minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) And it kills his mom. (laughs) She fell out the window and the radio crushed her hand. I wanted to know what your music does to people, do it? It kills people. (laughs) Devil has hands, and those hands are for Holden. (laughs) Oh, oh, I didn't look it up. I think that's uh, Rance Howard. (laughs) Yeah. Do you think James has a problem with that? Like the portrayal of the church? <laughs> He's singing like the, the the totally like sweet song and everyone just like getting violent and... Well, <laughs> it, 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 if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck. But um, one of... I mean, still, it's even up to the very end. That's It's a gag that never gets old. I have to fight temptation. My girl, my girl. <laughs> ah, the temptation! <laughs> <laughs> and That's... Never gets fucking old. <laughs> the very end of the movie where it does like the freeze frame and then it has and I was it has the text come up. And I knew that died. was gonna happen. I knew it was gonna say something like and then he died like a minute later. Sure enough. Well, the last photograph is him having a heart attack. <laughs> um and actually I was I was looking it up, I forgot about this. He was nominated for a Golden Globe for that performance, and one of the songs was nominated for best song and to be honest, like, I know that Disney makes good songs, but if there's any argument for lessening their dominance, it's that this movie should have at least been nominated for the song Walk Hard for the Oscars, because it's a fun parody song in the vein of I'm Tired from from Blazing Saddles. Like, it's such a good song. It's catchy, and it works for it. So, so I just remembered uh, after the credits, there's that, like, posting that shows the real Dewey Cox. Um, and I was like, wait a minute, was he a real guy? And so I looked it up. Uh, I just Google it right now. And this is what it says. Oh, I missed the after credit scene. Yeah. It just blatantly says, FYI, Dewey Cox is a fictional character. He is not a real person. <laughs> <laughs> First thing that comes up. So. Love it. Anyways. Yeah, I felt like it was pretty obvious that he wasn't real just from the fact that his last name is Cox. Because <laughs> they wanted that joke of like, where is Cox? Or we need Mr. Cox or whatever. 
I got a question. In terms of gags that are not necessarily outdated from a social context, but just in in general, does that Beatles joke still work for you guys? Because <laughs> I, I had fun with it. <laughs> Talking about the animated sequence with the LSD? No, the one, no before it, where they're very on the nose talking about the Beatles fighting in India. Like I love the, the joke where he's just like, stop it, the Beatles fighting in India. Like He just says it as a line. But I liked um, Paul Rudd as John Lennon. Like that was just a fun little fucking. Uh, and I can't remember who played Ringo, but I know it's Jack Black playing Paul and Jason uh, Schwartzman. Jason Schwartzman, that's right. And then uh, Justin Long's playing George Harrison. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Paul Rudd's great in everything. So. Oh yeah, and he doesn't age. Fun fact. True. Yeah. Cool. So next week we actually got a suggestion on when I was posting the uh, trivia. And one of our listeners said, man, I guys hope you're going to do Jason X. So I think Jason X might be fun to do next week. Corinne. Uh, Corinne. <laughs> nope. It's, it's only 80 something minutes. I was actually going to suggest that, um, you know, now it seems like we're probably gonna stuck with like another four or five weeks of this. Uh, it might be fun to, challenge ourselves by each of us picking a movie so like ryan would suddenly just now pick jason x and then everyone's just forced to go with it Hmm. so okay we could do that if you want is it just whoever calls it out first (laughs) no we just uh, too sorry brad um i don't know if it's something you want to do we might want to bump up film explosion 2000 to the end of july because if theaters open august i don't think we're going to have any other time to do it yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say like yeah, two thousand is probably end of July, early August, or sometime in August, and then two thousand ten would be October, and then because I I just think if theaters do open, there's probably gonna be a big movie every week because yeah. of all the think so yeah because all the stuff that's been pushed and falling. I think a lot of like the blockbusters will probably be pushed to either twenty twenty one or later, but I think there's gonna be a shit ton of mid tier budget stuff that's just gonna be well because you I mean you still have so August we have. Um, Tenant, Bill and Ted. Um, well, we are Bill and Ted long. going to theaters. I thought that was probably just a streaming thing. What's Bill that? Ted? No, that's Orion doing it theatrical, man. Yeah. Oh well, I figured they would they would open, but they would probably do that legacy stuff just to test the waters and see like how excited people are actually about going out. Well, I think they will be. Dude, you should see Idaho Springs right now. Are you kidding me? <sighs> like, yeah, there's hundreds of people wanting something to do. Right yeah, but that's like outdoor stuff. Uh, nope, that's also shopping and eating inside. I don't know if it'll translate to America, but I was reading an article today about how France opened up their cinemas and they're only showing old movies, and it's still like every showing is sold out, like that kind of thing. Yeah, just... I, there's there's going to be pent up demand. Yeah, so just want something to do. Yeah, that's what sucks. Wear your masks, assholes. I'm tired <laughs> of this shit. When the truth is found to be lies and all the joy within you dies, just wear a fucking mask. So, yeah. So, yeah. One of our listeners suggested Jason X. If there's no objections, there's there's absolutely no objection from me, Ryan. If anything, I'm super excited for this one. (laughs) Or for Corinne, I can put Jason X and the emperor's new groove in a pool, a poll. We can see who wins. I already watched Emperor's New Groove, so we're good on that, I guess. 
Corinne, I think if don't look at Jason X as anything for yourself. Don't look at it as anything other than a ridiculous space movie. Oh, you no, will have fun suddenly with. Suddenly, I have something to do next week, and I won't be able to make the podcast recording. Yeah, but the Corinne, bummer is, is, I don't know. Is there a place where you can actually stream Jason X? Um, you can. I, I mean, probably for rent, probably for rental. You can rent it for two ninety nine on YouTube. No, okay, that's not bad. Wow. I mean, okay. I could just go to my pay for it. collection and on watch HBO it. Max. So if anyone has HBO Max, you can watch it that way. Oh, oh so on HBO Max. Yeah, oh, that makes sense. It's a new line. Nap. I'm on board. I'm totally on board for this. Cool. Yeah, that's I on Amazon and vo- uh, Vudu. Cool. I only said it because, uh, like, one of our listeners suggested it. No, yeah. it, it, so. it, it. This will be a fu- this will be a fun ass time. Actually, Ryan, this would be one where we also want to do a conjunctory commentary for it. Because I think you and I could have some fun with Yeah. And I mean, if we're going to do it, we should get together to do a commentary. I'm on vacation for 12 days because I was supposed to do uh, Denver Pop Culture Con this week. So, Oh, sna- oh I got to talk to you about uh, your, 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 Shamley, your final Shamley. So we'll talk about it after we're done. I think it's my final Shamley until they release well, the West in Ultra HD. Yeah, well, we've got to talk about that too. But like, I will have you on for the next series, um, which I have decided the topic, and everyone will be pleasantly uh, not given a shit surprise. <laughs> French animated films. Just to get back to print. The, I will. I will tease that I am covering two ticks at the same time. Two what? I will be covering two subjects at the same oh, time okay. for the next oh, series. Because you cut head? out like when you said yeah. subjects, and I said I'm covering two dicks at the same time. I thought you said dicks. <laughs> my guys, my new show is called Covering Two Dicks. <laughs> It'll be Mel Gibson and, <laughs> oh, oh. and Russell Crowe. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, two Aussie dicks. <laughs> uh, technically, it, Mel Gibson was born in New York, so that is true. That can is still true. be president, so he can still be president. Oh. He's like Christopher oh. Nolan, where Christopher Nolan's British, but his brother's like full American. <laughs> yeah. I, I still don't understand what that's about, but I just choose to accept the mystery. <laughs> yeah. uh, by the way, we forgot uh, to mention last week was uh, Zach's 200th episode. Yeah. Nice. Hey, 200th this silly nonsense. I love it. Oh, God. No, yeah. it's it's. Yeah, I, I did a little post on it, but yeah, this this show has been incredibly life-saving to me so i appreciate every moment that i've had with you guys and i have my own show now thanks to this show zach this is your last episode so i hope you make it (laughs) oh that's right i retired goodbye yeah wait wait can it can't it be episode 202 i do want to talk about jason x all right cool (laughs) look at that real real there's doing some real good in the world what is the running total for everybody do you know brad you want to know individual (laughs) totals for everybody I, i mean i guess all right. All right, we're going over to Brad with the stats and the standings here in the finals of the Real Nerds Tournament. <laughs> yep, firing up Brad Bot over here. Uh, it's an Apple IIe, so give it a minute. <laughs> did you use the turtle to draw the graph? <laughs> I did. Logo writer? Hell yeah. All right. Uh, we'll save, we'll save uh, Ryan for last because he's the best. Thank you. All right. Uh... Sorry, I gotta, like scroll and highlight everything. To this is account. incredibly entertaining for all our listeners. I know it's like they could just maybe... face. I hope you don't get like bad eyesight later in life. Oh, it's coming. Uh, Corinne is currently 
Surprisingly, it feels like more, but 26 episodes. I'm pretty sure it's more than that, but okay. Yeah, I don't know. I, I've yeah. marked everything. I mean, your voice has been on through Catching the Classics. Yep. So. I just, if you move like that segment, 20 doesn't, like a little over 20 does not sound that unreasonable because like half a year. Yeah, like I counted actual appearances, like you were physically on the show. So uh-huh. with Catching the Classics, it's probably, yeah, way more for sure. Does Nerdemic count then? Because we're not physically here. <laughs> uh, Nerdemic has changed a lot of the rules, but I'm going by pre-Nerdemic stats. Um, you changed, rules, man. So. Uh, Henry has been on 43 times. Again, like physically like together. Um, so 10% of the shows. Good job, Henry. As I, I mean, mentioned. You did, we're getting a degree through the middle part of it, so. I mean, yeah. <laughs> As I mentioned, uh, Zach, this is his 200th and first episode, so there's that. Uh, I have been on 377 times. Nice. Uh, and I, yeah, I, I eclipsed James since he has, this past year and a half, uh, been absent quite a bit. But he has dropped to 318. And I'm only 11 weeks away from Ryan, so if, if Ryan misses 12 more weeks... Hey, you, I will never, unless <laughs> I get in a coma. You have 388, so... But if I'm in a coma, I'm going to have Laura hold up a Zoom <laughs> thing in my hospital bed, so it'll just be a camera of me lying in the hospital. <laughs> he's unresponsive, but technically he's here. <laughs> yep. So... <laughs> well, we can say that we'll wake him up. <laughs> You have a change. camera fixed on your face and she just does a dumb impression of you? <laughs> Sam, <laughs> Sam Raimi's overrated. <laughs> <laughs> She's just moving your lower lip with her finger. <laughs> Sam Raimi's overrated. <laughs> <laughs> now uh, I'll say the same thing while drinking a glass of water. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's it. I'm changing the rules. You actually have to say at least one word on this show to be here present. <laughs> I want to test that theory next time. <laughs> just say one word and it just bounce off. <laughs> Sweet. Cool. Well, thanks, everybody. Thank you. And um, see you soon. Henry, keep on looking great. Thank you. I like your hair. You look like a model. Oh, thank you. That's my goal. So. <laughs> I need to see more episodes of your show. Oh, yeah, there should be one coming out in a couple days. So, showing the scenery. Look it up, guys. On YouTube. Thank you yep. for promoting me. Is, yep. there a, is there a path that people can know about to find it? Uh, at this point, if you just like YouTube search showing the scenery, I'm one of the top results. And so, you're, you you're, you're top in my heart, Henry. Oh, thank you. You're top in my heart, too, Ryan. Yes. Bushiness. Ah, I can't get this. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. 
Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening and have a nice day.